Good morning. Good morning. Just a minute ago, I was up there uh, singing with the kids. I'm multi-talented. <laughs> so uh, you've got the substitute today. I'm not the vicar, as you probably guessed. This is the vicar over here. I drew the short straw. So uh, I'm going to be preaching today. Uh, we've just heard the reading, and uh, it's taken from John's Gospel. And uh, a little bit of information, you may or may not want to know this, but this is the one miracle that's actually mentioned in all four Gospels of the New Testament. So it's obviously very significant. The thing is, is in each Gospel, uh, there's a slightly different account. The writer puts this story after a different thing that happened before. And I know that some people would read that and think, there you are. That just goes to show that the Bible is just a big story. They can't even get their facts right. You know, it's different in one gospel and it's different in another gospel. And some people would look at that and think that that's proof that the Bible's not true. Well, I'm here to tell you today that that is actually proof that the Bible is true. Because it just goes to show that the the people that wrote those different books didn't sort of corroborate their evidence. And I know a little bit about this because when I was a teenager... I used to do quite a lot of shoplifting. Now, you might not believe that, but I haven't always been a Christian. You know, I I became a Christian sort of like in my mid-twenties. And uh, I come from a family that was a bit of a sort of rough family. Used to do a lot of fighting, stealing and stuff like that. When I was about 13, me and my mate, we used to steal bars of chocolate to order for all the rest of the kids in school. And it was a great little scam because in those days there wasn't CCTV and you could literally walk down the aisle with an Adidas bag and just put as much chocolate in as you wanted and walk out. And we'd go to school and sell it for like 20p a bar and we were very sort of, you know, sought after. Anyway, this one day we took another lad with us who wasn't used to doing what we were doing and we got caught and we got arrested, taken into the police station the thing that they did with us is we was hoping they'd put us in the same cell because we was desperate to corroborate our story. We wanted to sit down and say, well, look, you say this and I'll say that and we'll make our stories fit. But the police, you know, you may not realise it, but they're quite intelligent. <laughs> and they knew that we were going to do that. So they put us in different cells. And then they, they sort of worked on us and sort of like said, you know, your mates told us everything, etc., etc. So in the end, we had to cough up and tell the truth. Well, of course, we all gave slightly different accounts because we all wanted to make ourselves fit sound a little bit better than the next person. So that's why I know that this isn't made up because this wasn't corroborated. So there's a little story for you there. Let's go to verse 9. In verse 9, it says that uh, the, the, uh, the fish that was used to feed these people was five, uh, five barley loaves and two fish. Now, in all the Gospels, that's the same. They all say that there was five barley loaves and two fish. Now, I've done a little bit of research, and I know it says in the Bible that they are barley loaves, but I happen to know what kind of loaves they were. There's a particular make of loaf. You may not realize this. It was sun-blessed. <laughs> And I also know what fish it was. It's obvious. It was holy mackerel. (laughs) The Bible says that Jesus fed 5,000 men. That's just men. 
So it's more than just 5,000. It's 5,000 men plus women and children. And the Bible says that he made the men sit down. I think that's fantastic. What did the women do? Well, all the men got the chairs and the women are still stood up. I like that. That's good. <laughs> I went to Uganda a few times, and this is the truth. In Uganda, the women sit down, the, the, the men sit down, and the women stand up so the men can have the chairs. They've got something right over there, haven't they? <laughs> but you know, all joking aside, when I was praying about this morning, when I was thinking about what to say, the, there's one verse that really stood out to me. I need to get my glasses on. And I think this really is the verse, if anything, if God wanted to say anything to anybody today, it would come from this verse. If I can find it. Okay, bear with me. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, verse 12. When they were filled, Jesus said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And that really puzzled me because when you think about it, Jesus has just performed an amazing miracle. He has produced enough food to feed maybe 10,000 people out of five loaves and two fish. I'm scratching my head thinking, why is Jesus so concerned about picking up the fragments? I mean, maybe they wanted to warm them up for supper in the evening, I don't know. But why, why did he want to do that? Because it seems obvious to me that, you know, he's just produced all this food. You know, why couldn't someone turn around and say to him, would you just produce some more? And I really puzzled about this, and I prayed about it. And I don't know if this is true, but this is the, this is the, 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 the sense that I get is that there's something about God that doesn't like to see that which he's created go to waste. There's something about the character and nature of God that really cares about the things that he's created. And I don't know how much energy it took out of Jesus to create all this food, but there was something in him, in his nature, in his character, that made him not want to see anything go to waste. And that word fragment, really sort of jumped out at me because these are just the crumbs, the bits and the pieces. And instantly it made me think that actually there's probably more to this than meets the eye because I think really what we can draw from this story is that God isn't so much interested about the bread and the fish, but he's trying to tell us something about how he feels about that which he's created. And it makes me realise that actually, you know, God, if that's how he feels about bread and fish which he created. How much more does God care about us who's been created in his own image? If he doesn't want to see bread and fish go to waste, then how much more would he not want to see us go to waste who's been created in his own image? And you know, when I look around at the world today, I realize that actually there's so much fragmentation in the world. We see it on the news every day. We know people in our neighbourhoods who are living fragmented lives. Maybe some of you can relate to my story and the way that I used to be. Because I haven't always been a Christian. And I needed God because my life was fragmented. My life was in pieces. 
Let me tell you, when I became a Christian, I didn't become a Christian because I necessarily wanted to come to church every day. Because to be quite honest with you, sometimes church can be boring. It wasn't church that set me free. It wasn't church that turned me around. It wasn't church that stopped me being an alcoholic. It wasn't church necessarily that stopped me wanting to punch other people's lights out. It was an encounter with the living God. I grew up not knowing who God was because I came from a, a, you know, a, a, a heathen family. I didn't know who God was. No one ever told me about God. But when I came to a point in my life where I needed help, where I needed someone to rescue me, I didn't know where to go. And it was only by good fortune that my mother-in-law became a Christian before me and she invited me to come to church with her one Friday night. Friday night was my drink night. That was the night I went out with my mates uptown and all the rest of it. I didn't really want to go to church, to be quite honest with you. But I knew that I needed something because my marriage was on the rocks. You know, I used to go out and benders and all the rest of it. I was not a good husband. But I realized that there comes a point in everybody's life, maybe, where there's a crossroads. And you have to decide which path you're going to take. And I realized that if I carried on the way I was, I was going to end up like my dad. I was going to end up living homeless. I was going to end up going down to Serdic to get handouts and all the rest of it. I knew that could have been my destiny. But because I was married, because I had a little boy, I didn't want that to be my destiny. But I didn't know how to get out of that. So I thought, right, okay, I'll take the plunge. I'll go to church, blah, blah, blah. And I went to church and I heard this guy preaching about Jesus and telling me about the cross and about how Jesus came and died for me to set me free. I heard about how Jesus came and had the power on the cross to cancel out all of my sin so that I could be a new person. And do you know what? I believed it. And I grasped it with both hands. And that night I became a Christian. And I'd never entered the door of a church before that time. No one even told me that that's what I'd become. You see, the thing is, this is a bit like a blind date. You know, you've never met me and I've never met you. And you might be sat in this chair today thinking, what on earth am I doing here? But God knows why you're here. And God knew that one day I'd be standing here talking to you about my own life experience so that I could tell you that what's happened for me can happen for you. Because God is real. This is not a story. This is his story. This is reality. And deep down in our hearts, we all know that. We all know that there's something more to life. We all know that there's something outside of just our flesh and our bone. We all know that there's something outside of us that we can't explain. That sometimes we give the word God to. I used to be like that. But on this particular night, I realized that God is real. The one who created the heavens and the earth is real. That might not seem like a big deal, but to me that night it was a big deal because I knew that I'd been rescued. I knew that on that night I'd been rescued from a life of crime and from a life of probably being in and out of prison and I might not even be alive today to tell you the tale. That's a miracle. I worked on building sites at the time and I tell you, I went to work the following day. I couldn't even hear the cement mixers. I couldn't even hear guys swearing and all the rest of it because Everything seemed like it was new. The sky was blue. The the birds sounded different. The flowers were different. It sounds crazy, but it was. 
I dropped a brick on my hand and instead of saying what I would normally say, I said, flip. And I looked around to make sure that no one heard that because that's not hard. But I realized that suddenly over time my life was changing. And that's what it means to be born again. You know, people think that being born again is a bit sort of crazy and off the wall and all the rest of it. But honest, I'm telling you the truth. For me, that's exactly what it was like. It was like being born again. It was like weights coming off my shoulder. Now, how can that be? It's because God is real. It's because Jesus is real. Maybe you thought he was just a story. Maybe he was just someone that you heard about at Sunday school and all the rest of it. But he's real. He hung on a cross and he didn't look like that. He wasn't dressed and he didn't look all nice and all the rest of it. His death was a hideous death. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. There is no name given to man under heaven by which you can be saved other than through Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. He's reality. He's the only one that can make sense of your life. When I became a Christian, everything just fell into place. I realized, I realized for the first time who I was. I'm preaching a little bit hard, but you see, the thing is, this matters to me. Because I know that he can change lives. I know that he's changed my life. And ever since then, I've always been desperate to want to share my story. Because I know that he wants to change your lives too. And he wants to change them for the better. He doesn't want to ruin your life. He doesn't want to mess your life up. Only God can do this. Because the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. Jesus shed his blood on the cross so that we could be set free. On that cross, there was a divine transaction that took place. Basically, what God was saying was, look, I'll give you my perfect son who did nothing wrong in exchange for your imperfect life. I'll give you everything so that you can have everything. You can have something that's absolutely free because he's already paid the price. But then having said that, there is a little bit more to say because there is a price for us as well. Because Jesus said, anyone who would come after me must deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me daily. So there is a cost to be paid. I found that. Even my own dad didn't really want to know me when I first became a Christian. My friends didn't want to know me. I realized actually that being Christian is not a bed of roses. It's not easy. Being a Christian doesn't mean to say you're going to be good looking, even though I am. Don't laugh. It doesn't mean to say you're going to get rich. It doesn't mean to say you're going to have a fast car and a big house. It's a hard life. And if anybody tells you that being a Christian is a crutch, they don't know what they're talking about. Because for me, the only crutch that I've ever known is a pint of beer and a cigarette. Being a Christian is difficult. It's tough. But it's worth it. That's my story. I haven't always been a Christian. And I know that you probably come here and thought that maybe, you know, have some baptisms and it'd be nice and probably didn't expect to see a mug like me talking about the things that I did. But really I believe that God loves you. I never realized actually that God loved anybody. I thought God was just someone that just wanted to strike you down every time you did something wrong. But the essence of the cross is love. Is because of God's love for you 
and for me that he made that sacrifice, that amazing, amazing sacrifice. And in the world in which we live, we need to know that more than ever. That's all I can really sort of say. Pads is tapping his watch, so it's time for me to shut up. <laughs> but thank you for listening. Uh, and, yeah, I guess really all I want to sort of say to finish is, if, if you forget anything, if you forget anything, please just remember one thing, is that God is love. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows about you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. And he loves you all the same. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. It's just that maybe you never realized that. But maybe he's given you the opportunity today to sort of just reach out to him. Maybe today he's just sort of like saying to you, do you know what, for a long time you thought I was like this, but I'm not. I'm like that. He loves you. Amen. Thank you.